Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, everybody. This is Charlie from Exploration Live, the podcast. Um, you know, we are doing something a little bit differently this week um, because Natalie and I are separate. In the past, when we've been separate, we've um, recorded on Zoom, which we haven't loved um, just because it's logistically complicated and the tech is, is sometimes hard to work. Or we've, like, recorded a bunch in a week leading up, but we, we just didn't have time to do that this week. So this week we're doing something that, kind of in line with our spirit, is... is textbook definition like experimental, um, which is that we are going to be recording the podcast separately. So I have some ideas I've written. Natalie has some of hers. She sent me hers. I'm going to be kind of looking at hers, telling them to you guys, and then like kind of making some kind of guesses as to what she might be saying. And then she'll kind of on her end will explicate and also vice versa. I hope that makes sense. Um, it's interesting to record alone. I'm finding that I'm really missing Natalie. Um, and it's a really different experience to be kind of like solitary in my little space. Um, partially because like, like you can, you kind of abdicate a little bit of responsibility when you're with someone else. Like you don't have, it, it's strange now having like sole dominion over like what I record and what I say, right? Like I keep finding myself even now wanting to start over and be like, this wasn't good enough, right? Because it's just me. It's just my time. Um, but I ultimately don't, I, I don't think that's the right impulse to follow. I think I have to kind of be truthful and, and move forward in the spirit of the podcast and in the spirit of um, uh, Natalie as well and our kind of partnership together. I hope that all sounds okay. I, I'm excited to do this and I like my ideas. I wonder what Natalie's doing right now. Um, I think it's kind of fun to imagine. I bet you she's watching an amazing video on her phone. Could be anything. Hi, everyone. Um, this is so interesting because I'm literally all alone and not with Charlie. But that's because, oh, fuck, I'm eating a candy. Are you guys going to be upset that I'm eating a candy? <sighs> can that be okay? If you're listening and I'm eating a candy and you don't like that, can that just be okay right now? Because if I, what if I tell you this? The amount that I want the candy is so much. Like, I'm not doing it for no reason, and it's only serving me, obviously, but it's not because I only kind of want something. It's because I want something so badly. That's why I'm putting you guys at risk of hearing something annoying, and eventually, as we keep recording, the candy will disappear slowly and become something that's inside my stomach, and then you'll never hear it again. So, okay, just try and know that. Anyways, I'm not with Charlie right now because he is 
in LA and I have my own things going on, AKA Yom Kippur um, is about to happen. We're actually in a race against the clock for me to start Yom Kippur. Anyways, so we're doing something crazy, which is that we're doing them, we're doing our lists separately, privately. And obviously that's scary, but it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And we have each other's lists. So we're going to guess each other's, read each other's lists, guess what each other means, probably get them right, some of it, probably discover new things anyways, and then do our own. Okay, so first I'm going to do, sorry, I'm just going to get rid of the candy. If you like sensory stuff, listen. But if you don't, just skip forward like 15 seconds. Okay, so... This is Charlie's first idea. Fancy house Listerine. This is my guess. While Charlie was in LA, he went to a fancy house, like someone's house that was really nice, something like that. And while he was there, he found in their bathroom Listerine that was elevated, like not just like the Listerine brand, maybe like a different brand, like of Listerine with like a special label or something and maybe he's thinking like wow like you, at every single level something can be fancy like even a Listerine even a mouthwash can be something that's so fancy or it's something like this he went to a fancy house that was so beautiful and in that fancy house sitting there was just a Listerine and it's like you can't run from Listerine like even at the highest level of fanciness Someone's going to be using Listerine because that's the product. Like, that's the go-to. Like, Vaseline. Like, you're not using something fancier than Vaseline. Like, you're using what works. Okay, that's my guess. Um, okay, my first one is Fancy House Listerine. Um, and this is one I put in, and I wrote it in a way where I was like, I, I actually don't know if Natalie's going to get it. But it's kind of fun to see, like, give, like, a vague prompt and see where she goes with it. And maybe she'll get it exactly. Um, the thing with this is I was in a really fancy house recently, and it was the kind of house where it's like, every quotidian object found a way of like like wrapping itself in luxury right like it was like oh you have like really fancy toothpaste you have a really fancy soap dispenser all your soaps are really expensive like every like you have a tissue box that I know costs a lot of money you have like and even things that don't cost money are like classed right like they had like Dr. Bronner's toothpaste right which is not so expensive but within the context of the house which was like fancy but like kind of crunchy granola fancy like that kind um it was really tasteful it was really gorgeous um it was like oh this is deliberate like you're not just getting the like fanciest night you know you're not just getting like the the simplest version of it you're like getting everything has the mark of like aesthetic sensibility and taste right which in itself is class because it's like who the fuck has time for all that um it was a beautiful house to be in Obviously, it's, like, a thing that is easy to aspire to, and at times in my life, I really have aspired to it. Though, also find it, like, that aspiration can be so exhausting. Because you're like, God, I I have to choose, like, beautiful forks? God, like, oh, like, Jesus, my, my fucking napkins have to be pretty? come on, like, give me a break. Like, how much time do you have in your life to do that? Like, I'm just going to get napkins. And I, I, when people do that, I'm like, I don't know how, because maybe it's like other people just have taste and can access it faster. 
Whereas I'm like, okay, I've been wanting to buy beautiful glasses for such a long time, like like uh, drinking glasses. And I'm like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not, I don't, I guess it's like, I've seen ones that I really like, but they're too expensive. And then absent that, I'm like, okay, I could find them, but I don't see them so often. They don't come up, up so often. And in my searches, I haven't found anything that's both in my price range and I like. And so it's like, I have like a bunch of mismatched jars and kind of cloudy glasses that are all mismatched and they're not so pretty. And that's just one thing. I mean, it took me, I think I talked about this on the podcast. It took me like a year and a half to find a laundry basket I liked. And then I found one and I really liked it, which validated the whole enterprise. Um, Fancy House Listerine, though, was that there was this one thing in this person's house where they just had like Listerine, like a normal bottle of Listerine. And it was actually so jarring to see something that was not um, like uh, marked by luxury. Like I was like, oh, that's the one I have. And that's the one that like is kind of an easy one to get. Like you're not getting like a fancy Listerine brand or... Often I find like a way that people will wrap things in luxury or, or aesthetic sensibility, whatever, in their house is they'll like decant it, right? And I was like, you actually could get like a mouthwash dispenser pretty easily, right? Like, and if you, you could get a fun vintage one and have like little like, I don't know, paper cups or something or like a little like brass cup that you put it in and rinse out every time you use it, which by the way, to that person, here's a free idea. It's pretty cool. And I feel like you could actually get that pretty quickly. Um... But it was just jarring to see, right? To be like, oh my God, like, here's just this, like, kind of brand that is so, like, out of place and is so, like, jarring. It's like, this is, like, all of a sudden I'm in Dwayne Reed. And, and you know, of, of course, I, most people have many of those kinds of things in their house. But to see a house without it and then to see this, it's like, oh, I do see, like, what this does and what it's like to live without it. Like, it kind of accented to me or underscored to me, like, how... Um, uh, how that experience can be jarring and what that does to live like around like kind of crass consumer brands as opposed to like elegant consumer brands that are like marketing themselves towards like upper middle class yuppies whatever salt is rocks salt is rocks I basically think is the idea where it's like salt like when it when it comes down to it like at the end of the day it's rocks and the fact that we can't live without it it's like you can't live without like shaved rock on your food basically and like that's random and like why does it have such a chokehold on you like if the fact of it is like it's just like literally like salt like I'm sorry it's just literally like rocks okay that one um wait let me really try and get inside Charlie's head because I'm not really feeling that salt is rocks I mean it really just says it all like salt is rocks and maybe this would be one of the ones where we would go enough said you know what I mean um okay here's my next one salt is rocks I feel pretty sure Natalie's gonna get this one I'm feeling good about it um salt is rocks is a continuation art on lights are hot and ice cream is food salt is rocks is just like like part of this series about like things having physical properties that like um sort of surprise us or, or or like like things having physical properties beyond exactly what we expect beyond their like normal use right so salt is rocks comes up when like anything where you use salt to kind of um whatever for its for its physical property which happens i think the times i've seen that are like people will use salt to clean cast iron sometimes because it's abrasive or people will use salt sometimes which I think is cool like 
it's an important um, component of like uh, when you're using like a mortar and pestle, right? Like if you're making like a garlic paste, you can put salt in it and like that'll help like because when you're mixing it up, it'll like kind of help, I want to say macerate the garlic, but I think that means chew, but like, you know, mash up, I guess, the garlic. Um, and then also there's all these fancy salts that have, that are specifically like, um, that are specifically like they're only different because of their like physical shape, right? It's like salt is salt. I think, I'm actually not sure, but I think salt is just salt. And so it's like, why does like Malden sea salt taste different than like kosher salt? And it's like, okay, maybe it is different. Someone's going to be like, no, stupid. Of course they're different. But I don't know if they are. And if they aren't different, then it really is just the shape. But then maybe that also has some physical property as well, where it's like, okay, actually, if this is shaped differently, like, it sits and, like, is experienced differently by your tongue. Here's what I'm wondering about the differences between... I'm curious to see, like, absent each other's influence, like, what Natalie and I do differently. Like, like I wonder how, like, if this will kind of, um, like, foreground the ways that we have different approaches. And then, like, it'll make it clear, like, what happens when we bring those approaches together. All right. Okay. What next? Let's see. This is Charlie's idea about feeling like a drawing. Wow. Feeling like a drawing. Well, right off the bat, a couple things come to mind. First of all, the SpongeBob episode where he is against the pencil or can erase himself or can't. I wasn't exactly like alternative enough as a kid to be into SpongeBob. I was a little more, um, I was just like, I was just a little more basic, honestly. Like I was into, you know, Disney stuff. And I always found cartoons to be like a little edgy, which like obviously I look back and I'm like, The people who like Spongebob are like really, really cool and smart. But I did like it, but I just wasn't that into it. But anyways, you know when he has like a pencil for like a friend or like the pencil. Oh, Doodle Bob. I Googled it. Whatever. Anyways, that's something it makes me think of. It also makes me think of. Now, this is going to be tricky because I'm not really sure what like I'm talking about. And this is where I would really need Charlie's help. But like. Feeling like a painting makes me think about those, feeling like a drawing, sorry, makes me think about those paintings that are like from like a certain time and it's these like pale kind of people and like the women have like these like kind of like, they've got like hips and they usually have like a little like lower stomach area, very small but still there and then they have these boobs and then they have maybe it's like Botticelli that time you know what I'm just gonna look this up Botticelli. like what am I talking about okay died in 1510 in Italy like that literally tells me nothing oh renaissance yeah that's what I'm thinking of yeah renaissance paintings women naked that's what I'm googling so they're they don't want to show it to me because I feel like I think I'm going to jack off. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. So this just makes me think of like the first time I saw these, I was like, yeah, that's pretty much what I look like. Um, and I felt like a painting in those ways, except, except, and this is a major but, and I've actually been meaning to bring this up on the podcast, like these 
the way they're drawing these people, like so they really capture something about the stomach that is often true, you know, like that you don't always see in a painting. Like they just capture something about it, you know, and it's in all its realness. And then an ass too, like sometimes the ass will kind of like go in at the bottom and I'm like, yeah, okay, totally. But but then for all their like realness, the boobs are only ever these kind of like floating orbs that are just like floating on the body, like as if they're in water. And I know that some people have that. And I seriously major shout out. And there's no good or bad. But I just am like, what? I just feel like I'm like, huh, these all going together. Sorry, I'm like really looking at them now. I'm like. You know, where are the kind of low boobs? That's what I'm wondering about. Which era? So if Renaissance had like kind of soft bodies but floating boobs, who had who had low boobs? Who had low boobs era of painting? This is going to be nothing. Who had low boobs era of painting? Mm, I don't even want to tell you guys what came up. Oh, how the representation of boobs has changed through art. All right, I'm literally never going to read that. I just exited out. Like, as a gift to myself, I'm like, don't even worry about it, girl. Okay, let's get back to it. So what do I think Charlie meant by that? Gosh. Something like a drawing. If I could get inside of Charlie's head, I would say... Feeling like a... The, the word drawing is tripping me up because I'm like, it's not a painting. It's not like he's in some scenic place. Maybe it's about feeling flat, like feeling two-dimensional, like when you're just like, eh, eh, eh. that sounds like Charlie, right? Okay, that's my guess for that one. Okay, my next one is feeling like a drawing. <laughs> this is just the thing of sometimes you feel like a drawing or you see a drawing and you're like, wow, that's me, legit. Like, and it just works like so well and it's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> um, as an experience, and it's very like, this is very like millennial BuzzFeed of me, like literally it me. But, like, I mean, I grew Do you guys remember Rage Comics? Like, sometimes you'd see a Rage comic. They're, like, those Reddit, like, faces. It's hard to explain if you don't know. They were just these, like, cartoons, and they used these, like, kind of stock faces. And sometimes you would see them, and you'd be like, that is seriously so me. Oh, my God. Like, I connect to that so much, right? And all the time, like, you'll see a little cartoon, and you're like, oh, my God. That is like the shape of, that really feels like the shape of my soul. Or it feels like it captures a feeling or experience so well. Which I guess I thought it was interesting because it's like almost like metaphysical about like, not metaphysical, but it's like about the, 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 our like self-image and how it can be like really revealing like, oh, we see ourselves in this way that is like actually like so removed from how we actually look. Right? Like there's a meme that was going around that was like, I can't remember what the actual creature was in it, but it was, like, a tiny, cute little worm or something. No, it was probably, like, a tiny, cute little, like, bunny rabbit. And it was, like, this is... And the caption was, like, this is me. When you're being mean to me, this is who you're being mean to. And it's, like, a tiny little bunny rabbit. And you see that and you're, like, oh, my God, I feel like that sometimes. I kind of want to hear what Natalie has to say about this. Because I'm, like, yeah, okay, so you feel like a bunny rabbit. All right. What do, what do we kind of do with that? Well, here's what I'll say what we do with that. I think it's interesting, like, the shapes of our spirits and our souls. 
and it's very revealing. And it's a powerful moment of identification, right? Like that, I actually think it's kind of transcendent. There's something being transcended when you connect with a non-human form and identify yourself in a non-human form. That was very powerful in millennial culture. It me, like, oh my God, it me, right? And it still happens. I think that always has happened, but like, you know, to name it like that. All right, I'm interested in this. I don't feel like I've fully gotten there, but I feel like good for now. Next up, even Wordle ends. Oh my God. Okay, so what I think this is, is like, there was a time when like Wordle was like everywhere. I mean, it was everything. It was, you couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't go two steps without hearing about Wordle. And in that time, it felt so big. It felt like, this is never going to end, right? It felt like high school is forever, you know? Wordle is for always. Like, some things are just, like, too big to fail. But I think what Charlie's getting at here is, like, even Wordle, even something as ubiquitous as Wordle was, is going to end. And it did. At least as a non-player, it did. And sometimes... You do something huge, you know, a big cultural moment, and then you continue to have a private relationship with it, and it takes on a totally different meaning. I have that with the game 2048. I don't know if any of you played that, but 2048 is an amazing game. I think it's just 2048.com is how you go to it. Um, 2048, <laughs> sorry, it's actually 2048.ninja, so that's my bad. But basically, wow, I just went to the 2048 website and there's an ad for Saturday Night Live on the side to stream it on Peacock. <laughs> so I guess like 2048 must be doing pretty well. Like if Peacock is paying for ad space. Hmm. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interacting with my laptop too much, but you guys get it. It's like my first time doing this by myself. So anyways, um, so 2048 was huge and like, 2017 2018 maybe and I um will occasionally play it now still I have a totally solitary relationship with it like I never bring it up to anyone there's no community around it it's really just me in the game and I often win and when I'm playing it it usually means I'm also watching tv and I'm trying to do less two things at once but how lame is that? That's like, um, I'm trying not to play 2048 when I watch TV. Like, do you have to try so hard with every fucking thing you do? Like, why don't you just watch TV and play 20? Like, so because why? Because why? Like, does everything need to be something you like grow on? Have some metric of getting better on? Like, no, just like you don't need to watch TV better. Just play your. But but I think the thing is that I'm like, it's too much stim. I'm trying to be more like a one thing at a time type of girl. But, but but why? But I know why, actually. Because I think it's nicer. If anyone knows what slow maxing is, would you tell me? Because I saw a TikTok about it once. And now I... Oh, I actually just looked it up and it's right here. I was going to say I can't find anything about it online, but I just found it. Okay. I like it. I like this idea, but I don't want to talk about it. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. 
Eating better is easier with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just, honestly, two minutes. You'll have over 25 different options to choose from every week, including Protein Plus, Keto, and honestly more. It's 35 different options. What did I say? 25. Oh, my God. So... Bump that up by about a million to get to 35. (laughs) Right, exactly. 25, add about a million, you're getting 35. And you know what? I'm going to say a number you've basically never heard. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. And what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Mm. Two-minute meals, fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I know that's right. Pancakes, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math, aka Charlie. I did the math. Excuse me? (laughs) Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So here's my advice to you, and I mean this. Head to factormeals.com slash exploration50 and use code exploration50 to get 50% off. That's code exploration50 at factormeals.com slash exploration50 to get 50% off. And you know what? Like Nuff said. Thank you, Charlie. Okay. Um, here's my last one, which is even wordle ends. And even wordle ends is the thing of like, I remember being like doing wordle. And I did it really consistently for a long time. I think I had a streak of doing it for like maybe, and this is embarrassing, like maybe like a hundred days, right? Like like months and months I would do it every single day, you know, would always get it. I guess that's not so crazy, but like, you know. And I remember in that time period being like, wow, I wonder when I'm going to not, like, I guess at some point in my life, I'm going to stop doing Wordle. And, but, and, like, that makes sense. And me doing Wordle every day now makes sense. But, like, what's that transition going to be like, right? Um, it's like, this is so much part of my life right now. And then I can't imagine the thing of, like, it fading away. Like, it sort of, like, becoming less important to me or becoming less, like, part of my routine. Like, that felt so, like, hard to understand. And that reminds me of the process of, like, a breakup where you're, like, I know that I can envision this not, I can envision this person not being in my life. And I can envision, I know my life now with them, but, like, I know the process of, like, getting from there is, like, completely unfathomable. Like, how do you, like, like, I remember life without them, and I know, like, with them, but, like, how, like, that transition is, like, so surreal and impossible as to be, like, I mean, just impossibly painful. Um, It wasn't, it's not so painful with Wordle. And again, with these things of, like, any, kind of find, like, any time in your life where you're, like, I wonder what will happen in the future. I wonder, um... I wonder how, how the future will happen. And then the future does happen. And you're kind of like, Oh, all right. Like it's, it's, it's kind of boring. Right. I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but the experience of like many possible futures folding into one and you're kind of like, okay, it's that one. Like, I remember feeling that way about like, I wonder where I'm going to go to college. And then I like went to college and was like, okay, here, like, right. Like this wasn't, it was so much more exciting to think about it as like, wow, it could be one of these 20 places. And I'm imagining all the exciting various things about all these places. Right. And then you, you choose one and it's like, oh, this doesn't have all those exciting things. This is just like one normal place. Or like, I wonder where I'm going to move. Like when you're moving, you're like, I wonder what my next apartment is going to be like. And you're excited because you're like, it could be 
could be really big. Maybe it'll have gorgeous light or be in a really cool location or it'll have like nice amenities or like da 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 and then the actual reality is quotidian and boring and you're like, okay, it doesn't have all those things. It has one thing and that's cool or like whatever. Same thing, I remember the same thing being like, as a teenager being like, I wonder who my first boyfriend will be. And imagining like the, the great big world of like, you know, it could be all of these incredible, amazing things. And instead it's like nice and normal. And you're like, okay, this is a person. I guess I don't want to reveal too much. So it's the same process of like when Wordle ends. Oh, and, and when the way Wordle ended for me is that I just forgot to do it one day. And then because I didn't have the streak, it stopped mattering. And then now I do it like if I'm bored. If I remember to, if I'm bored and I'm on my phone. Period. Like it's, it's, it, and right, like that's such a, it was actually like the way it happened was like, all right, like that's fine. Okay. I'm going to read some of Natalie's ideas. Um, um, and I'm actually looking at these now for the first time, kind of again in, in spirit. I'm, we're, we're doing like, you know, we have the exploration because this is a, a exploratory in its form and it's also live. And then I, I'm reacting live and exploring her ideas live. Um, her first one is floaters reminder. Huh. Which I'm sort of curious about because that doesn't feel like I so understand what that is. <laughs> Yeah, here's my guess. Floaters, like, I think this is kind of like one of the things, it's like the quicksand thing, like John Mulaney's bit about quicksand, where it's like, when you're a kid, you really think that quicksand is going to be a huge part of your life, and it turns out it's not. Floaters, I'm reading as like the things in your like eye vision, those like weird little like kind of ghostly forms that like drift across your vision. And I feel like the the reminder element here is that those used to be a really big part of life, but um. Or, or, like, that was a big part of your world because I guess maybe when you're a kid, you're, like, that disjuncture of, like, okay, you're telling me that I'm seeing stuff, but there's actually, like, I, I'm supposed to see the world, but there's this thing that I'm seeing that's, like, really, really not in line with what you guys are telling me. Like, I'm seeing these weird ghostly forms all the time. What's going on? And then maybe as an adult, you kind of integrate that more and you're, like, yeah, 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 like, you know, it's a, sort of a um, thing of the, the wonder of the world kind of, like, being lost to you a little bit. Or, like, you're integrating, like, a lot of the weird things about the world. Which I know, actually, Natalie, like, engages with a lot because that's, like, a big feature of being, like, with young children. Because she's, like, a nanny, right? And so people are always, the kids she works with are always asking her questions that are, like, interrogating the world like that. Um, and enforcing you to kind of confront things that, like, you would otherwise maybe take for granted. So I wonder if, like, that's, like... And that's a guess. Maybe that <laughs> it's funny to go off about that. And it's like, no, that's not what it was at all. All right. Okay. Floaters reminder. That's this idea that I have that. I don't know if Charlie's going to get this, but I'm actually having the sense that I've said this to him before, which I know is classic feeling that we have on the podcast a lot, but now I can't even check with him, whatever. But I have these floaters in my eye. Maybe some of you have them like I know that I do and my mom does, but they're like little like, actually maybe everyone has them, but some people have them worse, but it's like a little string of like clear kind of like stuff, like cells maybe. I don't know. They're not actually cells. But like they look kind of like a string of like cells or something. Um, And they just like, basically they are everywhere you look and it's like, Sometimes you don't really notice them, but they're, I mean, they're kind of always in the corner of my eye. I'm like looking around right now to test it, but they're especially, 
you can especially see them when you look at bright light or it's like a bright day out. You look at like a clear background. Like if you look up to the sky and it's just all blue, like you're going to see your floaters. And they kind of like you go to, oh, my God, I definitely talked this on the podcast before. I'm so embarrassed, but whatever. Um, It's like you go to like look at chase them kind of, but they move with your eye. And the floaters reminder is basically this thing that like I used to have this idea that like I was like in like high school or something. I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to have the I was upset that I had the floaters because I was like, shit, like they're kind of annoying and they're going to be in my eye for the rest of my life. And like they're probably only going to get worse. But then I was like, wait, what if every time I see the floaters, I use it as a reminder of something like I that I should like be grateful or something I don't think it was that in high school but it was something about like trying to be happy or something like use the floaters to remind me whatever and but I don't know what it was but now every time I see the floaters I remember the idea that they're supposed to be a reminder for something not supposed to be that I was going to use them as a reminder for something but I don't remember what it was so it's just kind of like oh, there's a floater is like in my eye, like remember the idea about remembering something and then it's gone. So it's like interesting. Or maybe you guys are thinking, no, it's not, which would be so valid. But it's kind of like, it's like having like a, a ribbon around your finger, you know, in olden times, they would like do that to remember something. But then it's like, you just live your life with a ribbon around your finger or like, when you get like an alert on your calendar, it just says like reminder, but you forgot to write what the thing is. And you're like, huh? Reminder of what? So I don't know. But but now I'm kind of like, honestly, like, like no reminders, like just live. That's my new thing. I'm like, like the same thing as like the, like, I'm like, I shouldn't play 2048 and do the TV at the same time. It's like, oh, every time I see the floater, I need to remember, like, no light. That's like life hack vibe. You know what I mean? Like, how about you just have floaters in your eyes and sometimes you're looking at stuff and sometimes you see them and just, okay, just enough, right? With trying to just do everything. It's like easy, easy there. Okay. Natalie's next idea. Not seeing Jupiter. Now, I know what this is. Um, Jupiter, there was a few days ago, I actually like really, I totally feel this. <laughs> a few days ago, right, there was a thing of like Jupiter was closest as it would ever be. And you could see apparently with binoculars, you could see like its stripes and its rings and maybe even its moons. Like with binoculars, you could see it as a form, like it was that close in the sky, which is obviously like, I mean, literally a once in a lifetime event. Like it doesn't happen more than, I, I can't remember how much it was, but like, it literally doesn't happen um, more than once in your life. But like, and it's like, how could you ever, you kind of think broadly about your life. You're like, how could you ever miss that? And yet you just kind of do. Like we, I was here and I was like, oh, we should see it. I want to see it. And then it was a thing of like, it was like the most quotidian boring shit of like, okay, but like I'm with this person. They need food. We're going to go get food. And then like, oh, but we need to like, the food place we want to go is closed. So we have to go home and make food and then we're home. And then it's like, are we going to go out and where would we go? It's like 1230. We're all really tired. We're just going to go to sleep. And so you let these kind of like impossible moments um, kind of slip through your fingers. And there's, there's definitely a real sadness to them. Maybe another kind of take on that though, is that like, 
while it's sad, it's like, you know, oh, it's a once in a lifetime moment. Is this one of those things where it's like, okay, actually, like, once in a lifetime moments do happen all the time, right? Like, it's the, it's similar to, like, when people are like, this is a historic event. This is the first time a female singer has ever charted with two different, like, duets on the top 400 in, like, R&B and pop simultaneously. Like, like the thing of records are just, like, so specific, and you're like, oh, my God, this is once in a lifetime. Jupiter's so close. But it's like, okay, once in a lifetime, like... There's a million crazy things in space happen and you won't see all of them. And so it's kind of making peace with like, you won't get to all of them. But, you know, I want to console myself with that, but I am actually bummed that I didn't see Jupiter. And I wonder what Natalie's take is on it. I wonder if she'll be like, whatever, who cares? No, I don't think so. I think she's going to, I I don't know. You know, there's a dramatic irony to this. Because I won't know, I'll know kind of when you guys know what Natalie's opinions are about not seeing Jupiter are. And you guys can fast forward and you can then, and maybe I'm totally wrong about what this is about, about what her take is, and then you'll be able to be like, look at him, this fool, you know? There's a real, like, kind of, um, uh, well, I guess it's dramatic irony. And also, like, you know, there's kind of an unknowability of, Okay, next up we have not seeing Jupiter. Well, this was this thing like a couple weeks ago. They, uh, I'm like finding that I want to guess what Charlie's going to guess, but <laughs> that's not the game. But Charlie will probably just get this one because he's very aware of like news, especially in like science world. I wonder if he would agree with that. Um, but not seeing Jupiter is like I... There was a story that was like Jupiter is going to be closer than it's going to be for like a hundred years, basically. So it's like if you're alive right now, like this is your shot, honestly, to like see Jupiter. And I don't think it was a hundred. I think it was kind of like fifty. And I remember thinking like, um, first of all, I might be alive. Like, don't talk to me like that. But I don't know. Anyways, I like read it. And it was like nighttime, and I was in my room, and I was about to go to sleep, and I was like, should I go up to the roof and like see Jupiter really quick? And then I didn't. Oops. Okay, that's that one. Dirt clean. Well, I have an idea about this, but I don't know if this is right. This is Natalie's idea, dirt clean. I have an idea about this. I don't know if it's right. Um, uh, it's basically like, my guess to this is that like, you know how, I, I'm reading it as like dust baths, right? Like, I mean, whatever, you remember learning where it's like, why are birds like rolling around in that? And like, that's actually how they get clean, right? And I mean, if, if, if that doesn't shake your idea of like what a baseline is or what cleanliness means, actually, this is such a big question. This is awesome that you brought this up. Like, like okay, if, if birds can get clean um, with dirt, like, then what does cleanliness mean? Actually, there's a great New Yorker article that's about this, like a, a few... It's like a book review. It's about a few books that are kind of like questioning this idea of cleanliness and questioning like, you know, like the market history of the idea of cleanliness. Like we're now so attached to like, oh, you know, you have to be like clean. You have to like bathe and, you know, as like capital kind of has accelerated, like the the demands on like what cleanliness means have become more and more extreme. Right. And things that like a hundred years ago or like and actually cleanliness is like an idea, not 
not developed by advertising, but like the forms it take are like really influenced by advertising, right? It's like deodorant didn't exist before, right? Like a hundred years ago. Obviously part of that is like, yeah, and people smelled really bad. <laughs> people were just like, they smelled bad and that's kind of what was happening. But there are some pieces of it where you're like, oh, actually like advertising created a need and now it exists, right? So there's an element of like, kind of wondering, um, sorry, I'm getting really tired. I'm gonna have a sip of my latte. There's an element of like, well, what are the baselines of cleanliness? Like what are, and, and what, what cleanliness is actually like in line with what your body needs and wants and what is like kind of constructed. And I bet you some of it is help. Like, I don't know, like, like the most extreme version this article is talking about was a guy who was like, I don't bathe. Or like he like rinses off with water and he gets like dirt off his body, right? But he's like, actually your body is like, the more chemicals you put on it, the more like its own chemicals get out of whack. And like, you'd go through, once you stop bathing so rigorously, you go through like a period where you do smell actually really bad and then your body kind of balances it out. And I'll say this, I did do this with shampoo. Like I definitely for a year didn't shampoo and my hair was exactly the same, didn't smell bad. And it was just like, cause actually I used to shampoo every single day when I was like a kid. I thought that was just like, I was told, I guess, that that was just like, part of showering is like you have to you know shampoo every single day or every time you shower and it definitely like stripped my hair of like a lot of natural oils and was not good for it I think you probably should shampoo every once in a while but it was interesting to me to be like oh I actually really don't need to do this like it actually really does not make a difference to me and whatever I mean you guys might be like I bet you your hair did smell bad and you didn't know but I actually really don't think it did so that's kind of my challenge. This is maybe, I maybe need to like back off of this topic a little bit because, um, um, anyway, I, I have a lot to say about cleanliness. Um, I'm finding generally right now, and I wonder if you guys are having the same experience with the way I'm talking and stuff where like, I feel like, um, I, I'm having a harder time, like finding kind of coherence and I think what it is is that when you're talking with someone, like, when you kind of lose it, you have a, a break from talking. Like, and Natalie and I, I think, are good at, like, taking over and, and scooping up the conversation when someone else, like, loses the thread. And being here alone, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm noticing all the ways that I'm, like, losing the thread, right? Like, or, like, I'm, I'm forgetting what to say. Um, or, or I'm losing, right. <laughs> there you go. Um... I wanted to say more about like cleanliness though, but I think I will always want to say more about cleanliness. Um, dirt clean is the idea that like dirt, if you need to get clean, like I'm always thinking about being clean as like other people's germs, you need to get clean of that. And also like toxic stuff you need to get clean of. But and in that line of thinking, like sometimes I'm thinking about like when I'm a nanny and the kid's going to get dirty in like the ground, it's like, well, that dirt is bad because it's, there's like lead in it or whatever the fuck. Ugh, fuck. I sound like a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm pretty sure there's like, is there lead in dirt NYC or like mercury? I know because I was on the playground once. I think I said this on the podcast. Urban soils may contain detectable levels of lead, not mercury. Well, mercury is naturally in soil. 
I'm seriously, I might cut this part because like I sound like so fucking stupid, but this is going to be an interesting test of like me not wanting to sound stupid versus me being lazy and not wanting to edit it out. Like those are basically going to be the warring parts of me, like my laziness versus my like ego essentially. So if you guys hear this in the podcast, you'll know which one won. And if you don't hear it, I'm not going to listen to it again. So no one's ever going to know about this. So, oh, hello, hello, hello. Um, anyways, basically just the idea that like when you get your hands dirty with like dirt, that dirt is like actually kind of clean, right? Like it's just dirt. Like nothing happened. Like you could do like a dirt like face mask, right? Or like a dirt like hand scrub. It's not like bad or dangerous. It's not has like germ. It does not have germs. <laughs> I mean, there's like worms in it, but like, shouldn't you be like having some like worm in your like life to like, (laughs) this is so scary. Like, is this what I would say if I was alone? (laughs) Basically saying like, you're supposed to have some like dirt in your life and mud and dirt, literally the ground is not dirty, right? Like, shit is dirty because it could get you sick and like chemicals are dirty because they are dangerous for you but like the dirt like isn't that not dirty it's just dirt okay maybe you guys already know this this is obvious like I guess it's like physically like it looks dirty right so it's like in the aesthetic sense it's like your shirt got dirty from dirt but I, I guess I'm talking more about like hands like if you were in the dirt you could really just wipe your hands off. No, you can wash them. Oh, boy. I wonder if you guys are going to hear this part or if I'll take it out. Okie dokie. What happened? Huge question. I mean, period. She's right. What happened is a huge question, right? Like, I was thinking about this in terms of another related topic, which is like, um, like when people ask... Um, when people ask you to like summarize something or people were like, how was your trip? Like anything, anything kind of in that world is like so kind of huge. And it's asking you to like summarize and distill a really complex experience into a digestible anecdote. I've been trying to write stand up about it and I've been like not so successful in it, but like there's just such a thing of like, you know, experience is so complicated and even when you're like there and doing something it's hard to understand it and then the additional lift of having to distill and explain it and it can be even really small experiences like it's like you get drinks with somebody and then you go back home and somebody else is like how was drinks and you're like um it was nice but actually like while that was happening it's like you engage with someone else and you had to tell like like, you know, you had to do some, at drinks, you had to do some narrative of your life, right? And, like, that made you feel a certain way, and you were worried that the person was, like, responding to that narrative in a certain way. You guys have an interesting relationship, which has, like, all this history, and, like, that is also playing in the moment, of, or playing in this experience of getting drinks. And then to have to translate that, it's like, you actually can't fully translate that unless you know not only, like, not only were you there, but also know the entire history and context of a relationship, right? Like, So it does feel like there's kind of this, like, fool's errand element of, like, trying to explain anything. Like, that, that, well, (laughs) 
I guess this is like, right, language isn't perfect. Like, tough, bitch. Like, just fucking deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's going to be hard for you to, like, perfectly explain everything. And that's, like, why we endeavor to do it. Or, like, right, you're never going to achieve, like, perfect communication. That's, like, like, relax about that. Maybe going back to Natalie's specific question, which is, what happened? Um, or just, like, her specific thing, which is, what happened? Huge question. That has it brings this other thing of, like, it's, like, wow, like, when something happens, it's, like, what did happen, right? Like, and that actually, like, involves, again, so many different moments. And it's even beyond, like, oh, it's more stuff than you can ever possibly explain. It's actually also more stuff than you could ever possibly know, right? Like, oh, I was walking home and, like, there was a, a minor car accident, right? Say you see, like, a minor car accident on your walk home. Someone hears the sirens and is like, oh, wait, what happened? Like, or you post, like, oh, I had a crazy thing. Someone's like, oh, what happened? You're like, there was a minor car accident, and that's, like, a true way of explaining it, but that's full of so much information that, like, the choice of what you pull out of it is, like, you know, you're transmitting a reality, and it's always going to be incomplete, and you have so much control and agency over, like, how you transmit that reality, which is kind of scary, I guess. But actually, you know what? It's also not that scary. But it is, if you think about it, weird. I think that the time I feel most, the pressure of it most is, like, when you're conveying an important experience to a loved one, right? Like, the thing of, like, when you go on a trip and it's, like, something other than just, like, purely easy to explain. Like, you know, often trip, like, you can go on a trip and you're, like, it, you go on a little weekend trip to a cabin and you're, like, it was really nice. Like, I just went, it was nice. But even within that, you're, like, okay, but, like, I was there with this person, and, like, we had this kind of dynamic, and it made us think about our relationship in this way. You guys get it. This is, okay, this one's what happened. Huge question. Like, and I now I'm thinking that I already told this to Charlie. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe I told it to you guys, too, but this one is that, um the kid I nanny is really, she's three and she's really into asking what happened. Like, um, if something bad happens, not even like actually bad, but like, you know, if someone drops something or like if someone trips or if she, like her balloon floated away the other week, floated. And, um, a million times she was like what happened what happened what happened we have to like tell the story of of what happened and it's like uh I think it's just like normal for that age but it's also funny because like sometimes it's a really big question like sometimes it's like something that's like a pretty big like gray area will have happened like um maybe like I drop something as she's reaching for something and then we like bump heads and the bottle of like her water bottle spills like sometimes it's like too many things and she'll say like what happened and I'm like you know what it's pretty complicated like and and if I'm telling you the story of it like I'm gonna flatten it you know what I mean like and sometimes it's like like a kid like wants to hear the story like that of something scary to like and like may have it make sense you know what I mean like oh like you know you fell and you got a boo-boo and then you felt better and whatever and like that stuff I get but like sometimes the what happened is like it's like it's too I'm like you know what like 
there's there's a million sides to this story. We could tell it a hundred different ways, and I don't really know where to start, quite frankly. I don't know how to get into it, and there's like my version of the truth, and there's your version of the truth, and there's so much in there. So sometimes I don't really feel so like equipped to answer it. And sometimes it's like I did something wrong. You know what I mean? Like I like forgot her coat or something. I'm sorry I'm yawning, but I love you guys. And it's not about you guys. Obviously, you're not even here. And it's not about Charlie. He's not even here. If it's about anyone, it's about me. And I could take offense to that, but I'm not going to because I don't know. I just don't think it's a good idea to take that personally. <laughs> you know, the idea of like, there's no boring people. Wait, no, no. Boring people can't be bored or whatever. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Wait, wait. Boring people. Only boring people get bored. It's like, no. There are no boring people, first of all. There's just vibes. And some people vibe with some people. And some people vibe with other people. And if you are put next to someone who's not the vibe that you like that much, you can maybe be bored or you'll maybe be scared. And first of all, which one's better? I don't know. But second of all, you know, you can't just being inherently boring. No, I don't believe in it. And also being bored is like actually a really beautiful experience because it's like, you're like, oh my God, I'm bored. Like that's, then I can fill my, then I can know what I want, which is like stuff to happen to me and to be done. <laughs> and for me to do stuff and the first step in that is recognizing that you're bored so that's fair you know what I mean I'm bored sometimes I do get bored and then I go whoa okay I need to do stuff I'm not sure what I'm saying um anyway so that's what happened that it's just like it's too big of a question and then when it's the thing that's my fault I'm like telling the story in a way that's like true but like has my like excuses built in. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, well, I brought your jacket. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I think I was distracted. <laughs> like I'm like <laughs> doing like a whole excuses thing. It's like, shop. what are you talking about? Well, that's kind of the end of my portion of it. I wonder, I really, really do wonder how this is going to work. I've said this a million times. But um, one of the things that this is one of my big ideas is like people talk about like taking risks and like to be successful, you have to take risks. And I think there's not so much conversation about how you can take a risk and it won't work or sometimes it cannot work. And that actually is not like it's not like, oh, it didn't work, but it was still good. It's like, no, it didn't work. And that was bad. Like it actually did set you back. But this felt like a risk. And we'll see. We'll see if it works. I mean, I'm excited and I'm curious. And you never miss you miss every shot. All right. Um, love you guys. I'm excited to next week. We'll be back in the studio recording together. And if you didn't like this one, no problem. Sorry, the sound was not as good. I'm not, we're not on our usual equipment. If you didn't like it, no problem. We'll get you on the next one. No worries. Love you guys. That was a HeadGum Podcast.